The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? to cancel too soon the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less my name is william debiani i'm a film critic for the rap and bloody disgusting and ign and critically acclaimed and everybody calls me bibs my name is whitney seibold i am a man about town mm, ladies man man's man man about town all of those things when you're blue and you don't know where to go to why don't you go where fashion sits Putting on the Ritz. Is that, is that the name of a store, Putting on the Ritz? Cause Put it, putting on the Ritz. Ritz well, that's or, where I'd go where fashion sits. I assume that's a, that's a geographic location. It, it is a hotel. Putting on the Ritz is a hotel. Well, Ritz is a fancy hotel. And the term Ritz came to know, uh, came to uh, delineate anything that was fancy or sophisticated. Yeah, ritzy. Ritz, yeah. indeed. Yeah. The word Ritzy but comes from the Ritz Hotel. Go to Putting on the Ritz. That's Put, bad grammar. Putting on the Ritz, putting on your your duds, putting on the the, the, fan, the want, fancy duds. But if you want to know where fashion sits, mm. you have to go to mm. putting on the Ritz. You see what I mean? It's a, like se- it it's a separate thought. You see, putting on the Ritz. Work. Period. That's what we're doing now. This is the chorus of the song. Just look. Oh, I see. So the there's like a there's like a semicolon in there. Does it, no, it's a period. It's a new paragraph. <laughs> what we do on this podcast is we discuss the semantics of Cole Porter yeah, songs. Cole Porter songs from the 1930s. Okay, I need to actually make sure Cole Porter actually wrote that, or someone's going to send us an angry email. Uh, anyway, welcome well, back mm-hmm. to Cancel Too Soon. Uh, we have uh, two episodes in quick succession because originally scheduled. Uh, show Wizards and Warriors has taken us a little longer to get through than we originally intended. So in the last it few was, days, it was Irving Berlin, not Cole Porter. Uh, they mixed them up. <laughs> they, they got in such bloody duels back in the nineteen thirties <laughs> and forties. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So we were going to do Wizards and Warriors, taking us a little longer than we thought. So we're doing a few pilots to make up for it. And we recently did the extremely boring pilot for Exo Man, which I hope made for a fun episode. Because it, it wasn't fun for us. No! Uh, There's yeah, a reason some of these shows were canceled. Exo Man was a really dull uh, Iron Man knockoff from the 19, late 1970s. Mm. And uh, in order to redeem 1977, mm-hmm. we thought we'd stay in there and look for something maybe a little bit more redeemable. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, uh, a post-Star Trek Gene Roddenberry, he's still working on TV, he's looking for work, he decided to pitch another idea. That's right. So, uh, in and 19- in many ways, it is completely antithetical to Star Trek. Oh, oh, this is. If you like Star Trek, you might not like this. <laughs> and if you love this, you might not be the kind of person who likes Star Trek. Mm. It's an odd uh, uh, show coming from Gene Roddenberry. However, if you know a lot about Gene Roddenberry, if you know a lot about his predilections, you'll see that a lot of them are here. And and a lot really. Of- 
facing of, front. His little habits and interests are, are here. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, so Gene Roddenberry, for those of you uh, who are in the know, uh, he's most famous for creating Star Trek. Uh, we are currently, Whitney and I, mm-hmm. in the middle of a brand new podcast, debuted just a few uh, weeks ago, called All Our Yesterdays, in which he and I are reviewing every single episode of Star Trek in production order, in the order in which they were actually made. Now, that is a Patreon exclusive over at patreon.com slash critic acclaim, the banner, uh, sorry, the banner under which we do all of our shows. Um, but it's been interesting to explore Gene Roddenberry's work, his predilections, uh, and really sort of delve his, his into... His philosophy in a lot of ways. Yeah, mm. and when you see that in context with a lot of the other work he's done, it gets kind of weird when you see, uh, was it Pretty Maids all in a row? 1971 film, yeah. Yeah, very creepy movie about a guy who's having sex with a bunch of his high school students. And then murdering them. Yeah. It's a serial killer movie. It's a and very strange and film. he's played by Rock Hudson. Super, super, yeah, super it, it's strange. It's a bizarre film. James Doohan is in it. Uh, uh, Keenan Wynn is in it. It's, it gets, yeah, it's a bizarre thing. When you look over all of Roddenberry's career, you one thing that becomes clear, there's a reason Star Trek worked, and there's a reason his other stuff didn't. Yeah. Um, but there's one show that kind of falls in the middle. It's very unlike anything he ever did. Uh, but this is one where I'm actually surprised it didn't go to series because it's crazy. It is a supernatural detective series called Spectre. And to introduce it, we have, for no particular reason, Mr. Robert England. And of course, our presentation, a pilot film on a cult show called Spectre. Of Roddenberry's five shows, Spectre was the most sophisticated. It's the story of a criminologist played by Robert Culp who travels to England to do battle with demons, both real and uh, imagined. Now here's part one of Gene Roddenberry's Spectre. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> I don't know what that's from. We, we found this introduction to Spectre from Robert Englund from I'm, some TV show. I'm guessing it was maybe like one of those USA up all night sort of marathon things. It's like we have a bunch of pilots. We're just going to show them. And Robert Englund is going to introduce. It, he looks really cool in the intro, too. He's wearing like a leather jacket and like sitting mm. on the floor of a basement next to like a, a, a Star Trek Enterprise model. Yeah, the, the, it's the Enterprise D from Next Generation. It's like overturned just on a shelf. Yeah. It's upside down. He's not, it's not displayed. It's just next to him. Yeah, it looks like we're just hanging out in a basement with Robert Englund, which Robert, honestly sounds like a good yeah. time. Robert Englund, he, he was a classically trained actor. He really rolled with that horror stuff when, yep. when he got a, an iconic role. He, Robert Englund he was, what he was doing. He was, of course, famous for playing Freddy Krueger, mm. and he has nothing to do with Spectre. Not a thing. Not a damn and thing. Other than the genre. Now, Spectre... We're talking about Gene Roddenberry's proclivities, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Gene Roddenberry was, uh, he was very into the free love scene. Very that's that's really it. obvious if you've seen Star Trek at all, mm-hmm. ever. Um, sex is like crazy, but, you know, in, in that way where he's trying to make it look like it's feminism. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, thought, he thought it was feminism. Uh, Wasn't as also, ahead of his time as he thought. That's for sure. Uh, and also, he was very much... Um, Kind of an atheist. Uh, he was an atheist, and he was very like sort of communist philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Star Trek so, proposes a world mm-hmm. in which, in the future, 
Uh, capitalism is all but dead. People mm. live to better themselves and society. Uh, there isn't a lot of uh, greed, and although there are vestigial elements of uh, racism, they're being weeded out actively every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's, it, pragmatism is the word of the day. Pragmatism, uh, community. Mm-hmm. Those are sort of uh, Gene Roddenberry's basic tenets. The most, the, what is perceived as the most noble elements mm. of the human spirit have finally taken the forefront of society mm. and aren't like these weird mm. occasionally someone suggests what if we try being nice to people and everyone's like get him like and, that and a, those people are in charge now and and something i really admire about star trek actually one of the, the main things i've taken from it is there's no evil in star trek surely there are evil like people do evil actions but it's always just a, an, an opposing philosophy or people do things that we perceive to be evil but aren't necessarily and we have to start having moral debates yeah there's no moral absolute exactly yeah. uh there there's no there's no good there's no evil there's no god there's no devils so it's really curious that he would pitch and create a show especially one as awesome as it is <laughs> like specter which is about literal demons. That's right. This movie stars Robert Culp, mm. who's probably best known to modern generations as number two from uh, the <clears throat> Austin Powers movies. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, probably yeah. what people know him best as. That, that was Robert Wagner, dude. Was Robert Wagner? That wasn't Robert Culp. That was Robert Wagner. <laughs> okay, you know what? They're <laughs> practically the same guy. Uh, th- they do look very similar. Don't I understand they? why like, you would do okay, that. Okay, I was operating under that assumption this whole time. And now I'm... <laughs> Robert now I don't know who Robert Culp Robert Culp was in Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Okay. Uh, I think he was Ted. <laughs> yeah. Possibly Alice. Possibly Bob. He's one of those four, anyway. Okay, well, I apologize. I apparently never knew who Robert Culp was. Okay, no. How never... embarrassing. He was the President of the United States in the Pelican Brief. Boom. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Now I know him. Um, he, he's known for I Spy. That's his big I never role, watched his it. I Spy. I never okay. watched it. It was before my time. Um, but so, yeah, he, he plays a an ex-criminologist mm-hmm. who, before the series, this is not an origin story, before the series has already left criminology to become essentially a supernatural investigator. That's right. He used to solve crimes in a very Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson mm. kind of way. In fact, his... His partner was a doctor uh, named uh, Dr. Hamilton. Everyone calls him Ham. He's played by Oscar winner Gig Young. He won an Academy Award for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? And a year after this pilot was made, uh, he was he died in a murder-suicide. Really <laughs> dark, dark, dark future for Spectre there. Um, they reunite. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ham is very surprised to discover that his best friend Sebastian, who is now a bit estranged, Do- uh, doctor is he a doctor? He's just William Sebastian is his name. Yeah, just William Sebastian. The, the, the Hamilton is the only one who's a proper doctor. He's an official doctor. He's a doctor of medicine. Um, he is surprised that Sebastian has taken up the occult, and we learn that the reason why is they kept investigating all of these horrible things people were doing. And Sebastian thought there's got to be more to it than that. Mm -hmm. And so he started investigating the nature of evil as Mm -hmm. it goes back to primordial era and various religious texts. And he's become quite the expert in it. And at the beginning of the episode, the pilot, the only episode they ever made, uh, Ham is brought to Sebastian. They haven't seen each other in at least Mm -hmm. a year. They're they're welcomed in by uh, Williams, I guess, Secret- secretary, whoever she is, 
uh, um, Lilith, mm-hmm. who is played by, of course, Majel, Majel Barrett. Uh, Majel Barrett, who mm-hmm. uh, was Gene Roddenberry's wife. She was co-starred on uh, Star Trek, the original series. She was the voice of the computer in Star Trek Next Generation. She's a mainstay and, and, in Gene Roddenberry's and in the original. Yeah, and, and, she, and she played Counselor Troy's mom, Loxana Troy. And she's great. Mm-hmm. She's a great actor. It's always nice to see her in things. She doesn't have a big enough role here, but clearly she was going to be a bigger character if the yeah. series had gone on. Um and the reason why Ham has been uh, uh, sent for is because I fucking love how this this fucking show opens. <laughs> so here's the deal: Ham comes to see his old friend. He says, "You're a criminal. You're, you're a criminologist, and now you're an occultist. What the hell is going on? Here, I'll show you." And he pulls up his shirt, and we see that he has a fresh barely scar tissued wound where he has been voodoo dolled and there is currently a magical piece of shrapnel in his heart that will kill him in a couple of years and the only reason he's alive is because Lilith cast a spell on him and at some and he needs to find the voodoo doll that's in England somewhere or he'll die also, the sister of the person, uh, uh, the, sis- the, the woman who requested that he go to England shows up Tries to sleep with him really hard. Yeah, comes on to him super hard. Uh, he senses something is amiss with this because that's not the way she behaved before. Mm-hmm. He picks up a book. It's a gigantic ancient tome and he opens it up and he closes it around her and she melts. She turns into an old woman mm-hmm. and melts into the ground all gross. And then, his, and then Ham comes in and says, what the hell is happening? You've missed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Lots been and, going and on. Robert Culp plays it so well because he's not playing it like flip or for laughs. He's just, this is a really intense part of his job. Yeah, that was, oh gosh, that was a succubus, okay? And that happens. That happens when you when you wrap this book around a succubus, they melt. I know, that's this is intense, but catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, it uh, turns out that Ham has become a fully functioning alcoholic mm. uh, who is actually in deep trouble at the hospital where he works. And... When he says, listen, I'd love to join you on this new adventure and take care of you and make sure your heart doesn't give out before the, you, you save yourself, but I'm a fully functioning alcoholic. Maybe I'm not the person you want on this. And Robert Culp says, it's okay. Lilith's got that taken care of. And then it turns out that Lilith has cast a spell on Ham so that now alcohol tastes like shit. <laughs> like he, every time he tastes alcohol, okay. it tastes terrible. This is a creative setup. And these it, are good characters. Yeah, um, right off the bat. Uh, um yeah, Robert Culp, like he, it takes us a little while to sort of get to know him a little bit because mm-hmm. he's he has you know protagonist syndrome. He has a little bit of a cipher at first, but yeah, the the way he interacts with people and Ham especially, we get their dynamic right away. They're just yeah. rich characters right away. Yeah, love it. Love the way they're written. Yeah, and and that. He's an alcoholic, and they're able to take care of it right away, so it's not too much of a plot point. And, it de- and he deals with it, too. Like, over the course of, this, of the show, mm. people keep offering him booze, and you know he wants it, but he's just like, it's not worth it. I, I need it, but I can't. Yeah, I like that they don't and, forget and about it. Yeah, like, and, they keep and also, it alive. Uh, there's a scene later on where uh, something happens that he thinks might be a hallucination at first. What, when he thinks he's in a porno movie, essentially. <laughs> that scene's so fucking weird. It's, oh, we'll gosh. get to that in a minute. It's one of the weirdest scenes we've ever seen in any show we've ever done. <laughs> it's so bizarre. I can't believe that was on television in the 70s. Oh, my well, God. There's nudity in this thing, too. Well, that was in for... Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the main history here. Mm. That's the basic setup. Uh, this, was, this aired on NBC originally on May 21st. 
1977. So a couple of days before Star Wars came out, forgive put it in context. <laughs> it was directed by Clive Donner, who did a lot of television, but he's most famous for doing a bunch of movies. He did uh, he directed What's New Pussycat? Okay. Just a big hit in the 60s. Uh, he directed the Drew Barrymore, Keanu Reeves version of Babes in Toyland. Oh, that, that was a pretty fun one. And he directed the very <clears throat> well-regarded adaptation of A Christmas Carol starring George C. Scott. I like that one, too. So he's done some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was written by Gene Roddenberry. It was also co-written by Samuel A. Peoples, who wrote some episodes of Star Trek as well. So uh, it all comes together. Um, also, it co-stars a young John Hurt. Yeah, this was uh, before The Elephant Man, which I think might have been his big breakout. No, his big breakout was Alien. Alien was oh, 79, yeah, was the Elephant Man was like 81. So, yeah. yeah, but before those, it was 77. Um, and yeah, it's looking like a young John Hurt. He appears on screen, you know he's going to be the bad guy, but you don't know that yet. Because, well, here's the thing. It's weird because there's this syndrome we see, especially when we watch old TV. Because old TV, um, you know, when you're doing a new story every single week, especially in episodic shows, Mm. you run through a lot of cast members. And you keep having to cast new people. And the odds of you accidentally casting someone who will be famous later increases over time. Right. So we've seen a lot of people like, oh, look, it's like a teenage Jessica Chastain in Journeyman. Like, <laughs> there it's you go. weird. Yeah, yeah. John Hurt shows up in the pilot here, and you're not sure when you're watching it. Normally, if you're watching something and someone who's way too famous mm-hmm. is in it, you know that's going to be important later. But this is so early, he could just be in it. Yeah. It yeah. could just be a minor role, and, and, and you'd never know. For the longest time, he just is. Yeah. He he's play, not important. plays, uh, what's his name, Mitya? D- Dimitri, uh, oh, Dimitri. Mi- Dimitri. Yeah, Dimitri. Uh, yeah. Dimitri Sion. Sion. Yeah. Um, so not, not, pronounced like Sion, but spelled like the color. Uh, like, C-Y-O-N. Yeah, C-Y- Sion. So basically, they have been invited to this estate in England where uh, the family has seems to have been taken over by occultism. So you have uh, the sister, Anitra, played by Ann Bell. Uh, she is very prim, proper. She's referred to as a spinster on many an occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's very concerned about her older brother, uh, Sir Jeffrey, played by James Villiers, uh, who has basically turned the house into a harem. Yeah, his orgies on the regular. Yeah, they're, they're constantly surrounded by, like, way more staff. Like, Gosford Park didn't have as much staff <laughs> as this one does. And they're all very attractive, scantily clad women. And that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Sir the, Jeffrey I, sees no problem with this. John Hurt doesn't seem to be complaining much. But their sister mm-hmm. is saying... This is weird, and I'm concerned. It's so weird that there's something supernatural going on here. So she has enlisted uh, William Sebastian and, by extension, his friend Ham, uh, to come in and prove that something supernatural is going on. And Sir Jeffrey says, if you can prove something supernatural is going on, I assure you it's not. But if you can prove something supernatural is going on, I'll give you the most valuable painting in the house. It's like worth 200 pounds, 200,000 pounds. Mm. And uh, if you can't, well, you can fuck right off. He didn't do anything. It's it's weird that William Sebastian, he's the one who asked for the painting, though. It's yeah. Like, well, what, what will you take? I'll pay you anything. Well, I don't need pay, but I want that painting. It's like, well, it, it, it reveals something weird about his character, and I'm not really mm. sure what it is. I think I think he's a braggart. 
Mm. I think when when they talk about when Ham comes to visit him at the beginning, he's it's, he's in a new house. He's never seen this house before, mm. and he just says, "Oh, I I see you have a new house. I assume you didn't pay for it." Yeah. Like he he likes the high life. Mm. He clearly enjoys it, and I think that is important. A little later on, when temptation comes uh, his way, yeah, that's fair. Um, so they take the case, and. Uh, Ham goes to uh, goes to his bedroom. Oh my god! Okay, so <laughs> and this is where the bizarre scene happens. Okay, so he goes to his bedroom mm. and he wakes up in the middle of the night and sees a naked woman in bed next to him, mm. and he thinks to himself, uh, "And he's and he's a single man. He's described as a Lothario. He, he's already flirted with the spinster. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's he's got a raging libido." But it's still weird. Mm. And so she like she's like, Oh, well hello. And he's like, Hey This, this, you. Is, this is nice, but uh, This is who weird are you again. This yeah. is weird and I think you should go. And so he presses like a buzzer or something, but instead of like bringing in help to like remove her he gets a dominatrix and a schoolgirl. <laughs> yeah a dominatrix and a schoolgirl walk into his room and the schoolgirl is all really weird and it's like oh can i freshen your drink daddy yeah. and then the dominatrix is like oh what if i told her about not touching the bar you should spank her darling and she grabs a whip from a secret compartment in the wall and he like takes the whip out of her hand. It's like, no, don't do that. And that's when William Sebastian walks in and sees Ham looking like he's about to whip a schoolgirl with a dominatrix in one hand and a naked woman in the other. And he's, he's like, like uh, it's not what it looks like. I've only been up for two minutes. Mm. <laughs> well, you're a quick operator then. Yeah. yeah well, that's, you've gotten a lot done today. <laughs> and you can just tell that like Gene Roddenberry is just like, <laughs> and then a schoolgirl enters. Yes, because yes. Gene Roddenberry. Like you look at Gene Roddenberry. You look at like when Star Trek got started. The first like six episodes. There's a ton of unnecessarily sexy shit. Yeah. There's men trapped in zoos with women who want him to help them start a new master race. Uh, there's a virus that comes on the ship and turns everyone into horny devils. There's uh, women who are being sold into marriage and are taking magic beauty drugs and all they want to do is seduce everybody. Yeah, he, he, he was folding his sex fantasies hard into his work. And I've never seen them emerge so fully formed on television as they do in Spectre and it's weird for two reasons one because it's clearly seen as evil mm. which is kind of not his bag and two how did you get away with that scene on television that's in the 70s yeah that's it's a kinky scene it, it's a kinky scene it deals with like direct porno fantasies and yeah, not, not like in, three not at a time a, and not not in a light way like that's exactly what they're referring to. Yeah. It's this like male pornographic fantasy. Yeah, really vividly. Like mm -hmm. you just see like I'm imagining like, this like people like, watching TV like and having like okay, kids need to leave the room right now. Leave the room. No, like, we're not no, turning it there's off. No, it's a good there's show. no actual sex, but it is presented as overtly sexual. It's so, yeah. really sexual. Mm. Um meanwhile, there's a um there's a store called Merlin's Muse. Uh, which is connected to whatever occult thing is going on at the Scion family. Uh, they go to investigate. There's been a horrible disaster that happened there and a dead body and someone who couldn't make their way into a pentacle in time for it to save them. But mm. then when a monster right, attacks, right. they find their way into the pentacle and they're saved, but then it goes on fire and it's a whole big mess. 
Uh, what else? What am I? What am I forgetting here? Uh, they were on a plane. John Hurt was well, that, flying yeah, a plane. This and, was before they arrived at the mansion. They they flew a plane. It's actually a cool bit of exposition because Robert Culp is explaining everything about the supernatural. Yeah. As and as he explains more about more about the supernatural, the plane hits more and more turbulence and engines go out. And it's really kind of creepy. And, and John Hurt is the pilot, and he's able to save them. Yeah. It, it turns out that John Hurt is not just sort of the younger brother of this rich dynasty. He's also sort of like their glorified chauffeur. Yeah, he has a pilot's license. He was in, like, the Royal Air Force. And mm. so they figured, why hire a pilot? We have you. Mm. Um, so, yeah. It, it, so, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember. Well, event, the eventually they, they start... Yeah. They, they go back to the mansion. They find that, yeah, there's orgies going on and they mm. end up like while the orgy is going on, like sort of wandering into the into the basement. And they find that's where they find like the sepulcher. Well, they find it actually it's out. It's outdoors and they have their own like mini henge. Not, that's right. It's they, not they stone hen, henge, they have but a henge. It, it is in a fact, henge and there are stones. In fact, I think they refer to it as a fire henge. Oh, God. In the script. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. That's hilarious. Uh, and there's a secret room in there, and they travel all the way down, and that's when they find out. And it, it sounds like we're skipping a lot, which is weird because it doesn't feel padded. No. But fact, actually, there aren't that many plot points in it. It moves along at a decent clip. There's a lot of action and interesting stuff. It all seems to build on it, on yeah. the mystery, or at least the mood of the thing, even if it doesn't build on the plot. Uh, it's really tightly put together it really is so they go down uh, into the into the catacombs and that's when they find that they got here just in time because the cult mm-hmm. with all the uh all the uh, all the sexy ladies and all the men in the family uh, and even it turns out the policeman who is actually investigating the crime with them mm-hmm. are all part of the cult of asmodeus <laughs> Uh, who is a shapeshifter who gives pleasures of the flesh, and they are all responsible for sacrificing the sister. And it turns out that the older brother, Jeffrey, who seemed like he was behind it all, mm. was actually the high priest of Asmodeus, and Asmodeus has actually uh, infected John Hurt. And yeah. John Hurt mm. is the real villain all along, and he wants Sir Jeffrey to sacrifice his sister. Sir Jeffrey has a crisis of conscience, and it leads to all hell breaking loose. Yeah, there's a big, huge, flamey, naked fight in the basement of the sepulcher. When when Spectre was released in the UK, as happened with a lot of pilot movies, um, once again, if you're new to the show, uh, a lot of TV pilots, when they're not picked up the series, were made long enough that they could air as TV movies. Or, or theatrical features in many cases. And in many cases, both. What happened was something like Spectre was released as a movie of the week uh, in the 1970s in America, but in Europe, had a pretty good cast, had a fun premise. There was no reason not to release it theatrically if you could. So they released it theatrically, and when they released it theatrically, there was some actual nudity in it. Yeah. Now, it's not like the most graphic nudity ever. It's it's, it's bosoms. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's still, it's still pretty <laughs> it's like... A, it's a nice tame way of putting it. It's, it's still... Kind of shocking, actually, to see yeah, like hardcore yeah. nudity in a 1970s TV series. So, all these all these naked women are fighting each other, and they're it's it's weird because in the foreground, Robert Culp and John Hurt and Gig Young are having all of these really serious speeches, and Asmodeus tempts Sebastian. Like, and, if you sacrifice as, her, I'll give you everything you ever wanted, and he's just vain enough to consider it. Asmodeus is uh, visualized by John Hurt wearing essentially a Klingon head. Yeah, big it's, forehead. He's just got a big forehead, and he looks evil. It's, you know, not, yeah. not a bad design, it but... Reads. 
it, in that Star Trek tradition, it's just sort of a lump on a head. <laughs> but like while they're having these serious conversations in the background, if you pay attention to the background, it's really funny. Uh, there are a bunch of naked women who are at turns fighting each other and dancing in, like sort of randomly, like it doesn't. No <laughs> one knows. Yeah. No one knows who's on whose side. They just know something's supposed to be going on back there, and they're just sort of flouncing about. Mm. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, Robert Culp defeats Asmodeus, doesn't kill him because he can't kill pure evil, uh, and uh, they end up going back home, where uh, the older sister arrives, and she's going to have a really good time with Ham. Perhaps sexually. <laughs> uh, but she brought back the original painting burned in the fire that they set to destroy Asmodeus. Uh, and she brought him a new one, but the new one has the symbol of Asmodeus on it. it has a, yeah, which is a little red A. Oh. Saw, it, saw it a few times throughout their investigation. Oh, scarlet letter, if you will. Mm-hmm. What are the odds? And, and it fades out on that red A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This show is great. It's 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 amazing. It's it's so entertaining. It's, it's really well put together. It's really dynamically filmed. I liked all the characters. They They're, are terrified of you getting bored, so something weird happens yeah. in every other scene. But it doesn't like reek of desperation. They're no. not throwing in like some meaningless action just to sort of keep you distracted. Like it, it all, like I said, it moves the mood forward and makes the mystery seem bigger. Like the opening of the movie, it's for a minute. It starts out like it seems kind of slow. Like mm. uh, uh, Gig Young shows up, and Robert Culp hasn't said anything for a bit, and Gig Young's doing all the talking. And at first, you're just like, "Oh God, he's just giving exposition, isn't he?" And that's when Robert Culp is like, "Fuck it, look at my bare chest!" And then from there on, <laughs> all bets are off. We've got you know magical shunts in your heart, and then a succubus shows up, and there's a really sexy flirtation scene, and then Robert Culp keeps trying to like put her onto crosses but there's always some reason why she can't sit there and then he just shoves a book into her breasts and then she explodes and then you're like and all of a sudden booze tastes like shit and now a plane is gonna crash and you're just watching this like holy shit <laughs> they just threw everything at us they kind of did like it's amazing that this didn't get picked up it amazes I'm me i'm really and it, it looks like like there are special effects in it. It's like yeah. there, there's a, there are fire effects, and there was the melting effect, and there's some makeup effects. But it doesn't seem so elaborate that they were blowing the budget on that sort of thing. Well, they saved and, it for a few key moments. And yeah. so you know, moving forward from this pilot, let's say this pilot they put everything in it, and now mm. they have to scale back immensely. They have to do sort of like a smaller scale thing. That's fine. Yeah, the characters are interesting enough, and the premise is interesting enough, and this if they were able to keep that same energy, which mm-hmm. I think they easily could have, mm-hmm. then yeah, this one's fine. This one, this reminds me of like it, this one, they had some money, but if you take away the money, this reminds me a lot of old episodes of doctor who mm. where it was a cheap show. I mean, it was, a, it was an embarrassingly cheap show yeah, a lot yeah. of the time, but the writing was so spry Mm-hmm. that you were never bored enough to focus on the fact that this alien planet is just a couple of styrofoam rocks. Right. Like, there was always someone saying something interesting. There was always a new, strange plot revelation. There was always something exploding or someone... You know, there's always something weird. Yeah. And there's always something weird here. Like, if you <laughs> took this pilot, 
with very minimal changes today. Like some of the ad- some of the characters' attitudes towards women are backwards to the point of being mm. depressing. But in the seventies, they were not out of place. Mm. Today, you'd need a rewrite. But like even so, the ma- the majority of this script would be a successful TV pilot today. Yeah, for sure. You, this was today on Netflix or something. People would be like. That's pretty good. Mm. I'll watch more of that. I, I liked the attitude of the lead character, William mm. Sebastian. Like, yeah, like I said, he was really head down in business. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a tendency in a lot of modern dramas to make your heroes either too dark, like they're brooding or they're getting over some sort of trauma, or yeah. to flip. Yeah. They're like a little bit so they're casual, they're over it, and they make jokes about it all. This guy was all business, and that's something I kind of miss about a protagonist in a show like that. And he's not all business to the point where it's like, actually like a mental health issue, yeah, it's like not with like, the new Sherlock. He, exactly. It's he's yeah. not like obsessive. It's there's no darkness to him. He's just a He's an expert. Yeah. Yeah. He he knows what he's talking about, and he will happily explain it to you. Mm. But at, at some point, he knows what he's talking about, and he's like, there's a bit where the uh, sheriff, the sheriff, the, the detective, calls him, uh, you, you're, I know you, you're one of the best criminologists in the world. Hmm. One of. Like, there's this moment where he just, like, rolls his eyes. So he's, he's got a bit of an ego, but right. he's not an but asshole. He's, he's earned it. Yeah, yeah. He's already solved a ton of crimes. He has, he, I mean, he even, well, he even let's, sells let's it to him. He's like, he's yeah. like, we're doing this not just because we're saving these people, although we're doing that. If we can crack open the secrets of the occult, we will further the, the science of criminology more than anyone ever has. Mm. That's he's interested in that. He's interested in the, the science the, of it. The, the, ta- the of tangible it. existence of evil yeah. will move the world forward. He'd be the best professor in the world. Like I <laughs> want to be in his class. Yeah, you compare this to Probe. Yeah, that, that guy was an asshole. He was. That, that was his character. It was. I think the character was fine, but that's the way. That's how he was defined. Probe, a show we reviewed a couple of months ago on this, which was about mm. a super scientist who solved crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and. As with many shows of its ilk, he's such a super scientist that he's lost all of his social graces. And you needed somebody who did have a lot of social graces but wasn't as smart as him to balance, and I think that was a good dynamic in that show uh, between the the two lead characters. This one is just about... Yeah, it's it's sort of a Holmes and Watson, but Holmes is just really good at his job. And he is suave, and he can talk to people. He's not cocky. He's just good at what he does. Yeah. He has an ego, but he... Yeah, it's... And get young, by the, the way. Right, the right way to do that character. And I feel like we're missing that character and from I a think, lot of modern drama. And I think Gig Young handles it really well. I actually really like, while we're talking about Sherlock, mm. what Martin Freeman has done with the character of Watson. But I think Gig Young was, was there, too. Mm. Uh, he plays his Watson character as someone who is intelligent in his own right, mm. but also someone who has his vices. And he mm. not only is he a drinker, he is a womanizer. Both of those things get him in trouble over the course of the show. And he keeps he's also all befuddled a lot. He's yeah. befuddled, but not because he's dumb. He just mm. doesn't have any expertise in this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like, over the course of time, as he gets more used to it, it just becomes part of the day job again. He falls into the criminology path, but with this new stuff that sometimes needs to be explained to him. Mm. He's good. And Major <laughs> Barrett doesn't have a lot of scenes, but she plays this, like, kind of spooky lady. She, but, she, like, when she has a scene with William Sebastian, you know that they're, like, really close Mm. And, like, you really sense more of a relationship there that you want to see explored over time. Like, is this sisterly? Is it maternal? Is he working for her? But she's also teaching him because she's clearly a practicing and very effective 
witch or sorceress or whoever you want to call it. I don't mm. know. She can cast real spells, and he trusts her to yeah. do that. He doesn't have any doubt in his mind that he can that she can cure his friend of his alcoholism in a minute. <laughs> she's like, literally, as well, we're talking, she's casting a spell to cure you of alcoholism. She doesn't cure his alcoholism, but she does give him the ultimate form of aversion therapy. She, it works. Yeah. It works. Mm. Like, we'll say it again. I love um, the definition of... Um, it was used as a definition of God, but mm. I lose. I think of it as a definition of magic in a lot of ways in fiction. But um, someone wrote this online. I wish I could remember who it was. The idea is that imagine, if you will, that somewhere in your house, your apartment, there were a huge pile of ants and they were praying to you and you could hear them chant your name. Mm. You would probably go over there and you'd be like, "What? what's going on? And they were just like... Praise Bibs! Oh, praise Bibs! And I'd be like, uh, okay, here's a sugar cube. And then I'd go away and be all weird. And then, like, they would ask me for things. And I'm like, I, I can't really, like, do that, man. Like, what do we do? Like, if, if an ant asks you, like, um, yeah, hey, I'm in love with this other ant. And I don't want any of the other ants to get in the way of that love. Okay, all I know how to do is kill the other ants. So, okay, boom. And the ant's just like, no! That's not what I meant. And you're like, I don't know. What do you expect me to do? Change their minds? Like, there's a good show. Uh, a, on, they did something like that with God on Futurama. Oh, yeah. Where uh, Bender was floating out through the deep cosmos and, and essentially ran into God. Like oh, this, yeah, I remember this, that, yeah. This big, like, living galaxy, essentially. It was, was a weird episode. <laughs> it, was, it was a very weird episode, but... Uh, in that same episode, Bender had like a civil civilization of miniature people living on his body, and he was their god. And so weird. But then he screwed everything up, and they all died. Yeah, it's like he was he was the worst god. <laughs> it's like, I, I oh, you must be God. So yeah, I was God for a second. Yes, I saw you were doing a good job until everybody died. <laughs> it's like, so how do you deal with how do you deal with being God? Well, I hear all these prayers all the time, but it's such a noise. After a while, you just sort of tune it out. And you can't give too much because people become reliant on you, but you can't be completely absent. Otherwise, people forget about you. So you have to do a subtle thing. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> And, and of course, the story resolves with God's subtle infer- interference. It's actually really re- well written. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Magic and God is good stuff, man. It's... It's, it's strange. It's been with us and will be with us forever. It's it's mm. a very... It's, it's part of our consciousness. Yeah. But um, anyway, I like the way that the show handles mm. that stuff. Like, we're going to solve a problem magically. Mm. We're not just going to blink it out of existence. We're just going to find some practical solution that we can <laughs> only do through magic. Cool. Well, there's magical things, but I like that it never turned into magic as a weapon. Yeah, it wasn't this just people was, shooting energy bolts at each th- other. This yeah. was about William Sebastian having uh, a very, even though it was never really said out loud, a moral code. Yeah. He was good in the universe because he was fighting evil. He wasn't a superhero about it. He wasn't you know kicking demons' asses. He wasn't a man of action. Mm-hmm. He was a man of thought because that's what Gene Roddenberry was more interested in. Yeah, uh, He was more interested in contemplating evil. It's just this was the only time he decided to... Literally, literally evil. personify evil, and that's fascinating. And mm. I like that he still approached it intellectually. Like he no. still approached it. Like it's not just believe in God and everything will be fine. It's mm. like no, no. It's still a process. Religion, mm. which is all the occult is, just various religions. Mm. It, it, it's a it's a process. It's a it's a soul searching element. Mm. It is uh, a constant uh, uh, challenging and redefinition. 
of your own beliefs and morality mm. and ethics. Um, and it's interesting to, that he created a world where all these things are literal, mm. but it wasn't simple. It wasn't just like, yeah. oh, God exists. Well, that's easy. I believe in God now. Done. No, it's still well, complicated. He, he believed in God, but that, yeah, that wasn't, like you said, it wasn't the cure-all. It wasn't the, the yeah. bromide to get yeah. him through the day. It's Didn't just, solve all the problems. It, it armed him with perhaps the appropriate things to face these things, but he was still a human being with complex ideas. Yeah. And they're still, and I, Ham is just sort of lost in all of this. I think mm. he's sort of agnostic, well, if anything. He, it's interesting because Ham is the one who actually, like, it's clear that William Sebastian also has vices when he talks about how, like, listen, with this heart injury that I have, mm. I could live for a few more years if I just sit here and do nothing. No work, mm. no exercise, and he even says no women, like, <laughs> no romance, nothing. Like, I just I just sit here and die, and I, 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 I can't do that. Uh, so, and yet... It's 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 Ham who actually has all of these big vices, who ultimately isn't the one who's tempted to evil. I'm reminded of there's a really good episode of Supernatural mm. where I think it was in season five when they were dealing with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. OK. And it's an amazing episode where uh, they meet famine. OK. The episode opens with two people on a date. Oh, you've told me about it's this. It's the most yeah. amazing opening of an episode of Supernatural. Mm. I've, I, I gave up on the show, like, after season seven. I know it's been going for, like, ten more years after mm. that. But of the season I saw, it's, like, two people who are super into each other. And they have a good date. And they start making out. And then one of them bites the other one. And mm. it's kind of shocking because they draw blood. And the other one's like, nah, go for it. But then they start eating each other <laughs> until they die from it. And it's really horrifying. Mm. But... What happens is, as they run into famine, they find out famine isn't necessarily just about food. Famine is about whatever you're starving yourself of. Are you starving yourself of affection? Mm -hmm. Are you starving yourself of... There's something. And Dean, the uh, more relaxed brother uh, (laughs) in Supernatural, isn't affected by it. And everyone, even like angels, are affected by famine. They're like, "What, what makes you so fucking special? And he's like, well, nothing makes me special. When I'm hungry, I eat. (laughs) <laughs> when I want to have sex, I meet someone, no, we yeah. hit it off, and we have sex. I'm never wanting for anything. Yeah, that's his whole thing. It's like, I'm not special. I'm just well-fed. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I'm not starving myself of anything. I just take care of my various needs. It's a rather healthy perspective. And uh, that's something that it, it you could argue that Gene Roddenberry is fine with morally. Fine with morally, but I think he strove, he understood that human beings are typically more complex than that. Yeah. We can't all just sort of take care of our most immediate desires. That's not, not that's not going to be fulfilling for someone like Gene Roddenberry. He, but it doesn't make needs, you evil is my point. It doesn't make you evil, that's but yeah, he's, he's okay with that morally. But yeah, he, he also wants to acknowledge that human beings do long for larger ideas mm-hmm. all the time. That's why we have art. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's why we have these big notions of eternity. It's, it's, we need bigger pieces of the puzzle to make sense of all of this mess. It's interesting that he writes all these stories about people like overcoming Mm. their human frailties. When you look and you see his human frailties in all of his work again, as noble, not, and not self-aware, which is the ironic thing. Yeah. It's so sincere. (laughs) He's he's not addressing his own vices. He's just given us to, yeah. Like, so he's, he's telling the story and we're waxing rhapsodic about what Gene Roddenberry and, Mm. uh, 
Peoples wrote about, you know, morality and religion or whatever. And we're not even addressing the elephant in the room, which is he basically wrote a porno. He wrote a porno. Like there was a huge he, he, sections of this movie that almost, are basically porn. He mostly he wrote a porno, but in like something out of a Zucker Brothers movie. It's yeah. like and, oh, oh no, and then and then three more firemen have arrived, and there is the nun. You know, it's yeah. it's it's as sexy as the history of the world part one. Gets, yeah, yeah, which is like kind of sexy, but also <laughs> very cheap and tawdry. It's it, it or it's it's the castle anthrax scene yeah! from from Holy Grail, but taken totally literally, which yeah, is yeah. like just like, and it would be great, right? Just it's a solitary life we lead, dressing, undressing, making exciting underwear. <laughs> Well, I suppose I could stay a bit longer. <laughs> That's basically yeah, the yeah. movie, but it's fun. Like, mm. I, and yeah, it, it's inherently sexist. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. We need to we need to just address the other as fun as we can have with this. It's also possible to watch this and go, "Fuck off!" Like seriously, yeah. we're just as really well, it's, sleazy it's, and exploitative. It's sleazy. It, it's not the crux of the pilot, though. It's just but an it's a element huge part of, of the appeal, yeah. and I wonder. Mm. At least that's what it's clearly the intended appeal. It's like, look yeah. how sexy this is. Yeah. And again, this, you know. Get get the exploitation crowd. Yeah, and, fun, and again, you know, fun. James Bond was, of course, as popular as ever. Mm. And that kind of, you know, sexual dynamic was not uncommon in the media. I wonder if maybe the reason why this wasn't successful was why it didn't become mm. a series was because the network is just like. Yeah, you push that way too hard in the pilot. I don't know if we it can. It's too do this. sexy. Yeah, I don't know if we can do this like every week. I, this is I pretty. Think, this is pretty tawdry. Man. I think it was a little too confrontational with the demo- demonic imagery. Actually, you think that was the real. I, I think that. Well, I think it was a really big bugaboo. This was uh-huh. right in the middle of satanic panic. Mm-hmm. Um, and bear in mind, know, this is all speculation I, on our part. We uh, yeah, don't have the actual the, information. Uh, Exorcist had come out just like four years before this, so there, mm-hmm. there was a lot of real palpable fear of Satan and demons in the populace. Yeah. Just how, look at uh, Rosemary's baby. This, that is a film about how your neighbors in your nice condo, just people who wear suits and go to jobs are also Satanists and have access to the real Satan. Satan worshipers. Satan worshipers. Satanism is different, but Satan worshipers. But um, to to be fair, I think in presenting it in such a flip fashion as something that a cop would just deal with without giving it some sort of comic angle like Kolchak the Night Stalker Mm -hmm. is going to seem a little too confrontational for a lot of audiences. And and even Kolchak didn't Mm. last. We've we've dealt with this a lot. There's a lot of occult-themed shows from the 70s that didn't last. Yeah. We've dealt with... We we, we did Kolchak. We did... uh, Not Bedazzled. Uh, uh, but poor devil poor devil yeah. with uh, Sammy Davis Jr. as mm. a minor demon who's trying to buy Jack Klugman's soul for Christopher Lee by ruining <laughs> Adam West's life that one was also great that one was great that one was super amazing mm. no there was um, Baffled with Leonard Nimoy oh right right Leonard Nimoy another Star Trek connection mm. where Leonard Nimoy was a race car driver who mm. got, got psychic in an accident powers and got psychic, psychic powers and yeah. then also went to a British uh, uh estate and solved a supernatural mystery that looked with that, a that one British estate just needed the money and they just rented it out to whatever American studio needed to shoot there. I know. But Baffled was fun too. Mm. Uh, Poor Devil was fantastic. Kolchak is pretty damn good. This one is a hoot. The, the, this, this one does, I don't know yeah. how this one hasn't been released by like Shout Factory or something. Like I understand like the rights for TV stuff can be tricky and also mm. a lot of these TV shows weren't necessarily like archived very well. 
Yeah, so the, the original elements might be gone. We we found a, a bootleg of it. Basically, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's never been well, properly it's, released like I, in America. I, and ordinarily, you know, it's I, I don't take pride in the fact that we watch uh, watch something on a bootleg. But, but it's the only it's way to get this it. Way, in this way, it was the only way to get it. And uh, Yeah, like, but like someone recorded it off of TV once. But like... <clears throat> and and that that's the best quality we could get. Yeah, and uh, it's fine. Mm. You know, you can watch it fine, but it'd be nice to see this cleaned up. I mean, not that it was gorgeous, but I'm sure it looked okay. Like, I'm sure mm. it looked nice. Like, you I'm, can tell it was it w- had production design, and you know, yeah. but someone someone put a little effort into it. I always hope when we run into a show like this that yeah. actually has a good premise and good characters, and started promisingly. That the rights have drifted into one of these like fledgling streaming services, mm-hmm. and they'll reboot it, <laughs> so so that we can see the reboot of Spectre on CBS All Access any day now. Mm. Well, apparently there is a, it is sometimes shown on television, uh, and there was a novelization in 1979 that expanded on the characters and the myths a little bit more. Mm. Uh, so, uh, someone has a birthday coming up. <laughs> I don't know if I'm able to find it, but it'd be um, cool if I could. Could it be me, the middle-aged man? Yes. Yes, 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 it could. I'm an old man. My birthday's coming up. It, it is. I'm, I'm about to be older. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. That's I, fine. Yeah. I like being old now. I, I like being old. I just don't want to get older. D- like, d- if d- I could d- stop here, I'm good. <laughs> I haven't gone very gray yet. I've only lost some of my hair. You know, I'm 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 good here. This is fine. I I can't wait. I can't wait to be old. Can't wait to be old. Well, fine. Um, in any case, uh, Spectre, if it had gone on for hundred episodes, would have been awesome. Like, yeah, it wouldn't have well, lasted very long, probably, because the last gay young died. Mm-hmm. And who's to say that the show continuing would have put a stop to that? Or if they could just you know, recast the part with somebody else. It, it's, it really is hard to say. Mm. That might have been considered, you know, in mm. poor taste. Um, you get another alien actor. Get Yafet Kato in there as the Dr. Watson type character. Okay, that would be cool. But, uh, you know, the, the tragedy of Gig Young's uh, uh, death and the death of his, I think it was like his fifth wife, um, <clears throat> is actually, you know, we, we still don't know exactly what happened or why. Mm. Uh, but it is a tragedy, and that's yeah, a damn shame, because he was a good actor, and I don't know if he was a decent person or not, but, you know, it's a shame regardless. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, had, who, who could say? If it had yeah. gone on longer, I well, would have been down. It's a fun show. It, it's a fun show. It's a it really definitely, definitely canceled too soon. It's a really fun pilot, but let's try to imagine what an episode would be like. Because we're still we're deal- in, dealing in the era of bottle episodes, mm-hmm. one case per week, monster well, per episode. He's, he's fucking around at his estate, or he's doing a book well, he's, tour he's or something. Ba- he's back or... at his apartment, because mm-hmm. we need to have... Well, it's a house. Or his house. Yeah. I, I thought it was like a condo. Wasn't no, it's it? a house. It's a big house. Oh, okay. He's doing well. But uh, he's there. He's, he has he has a he has a hallway when people enter. He's there with him, and he's there with Major Barrett. It's like they're sort of the the three main mm-hmm. uh, investigators of the show. Major Barrett stays at home, unfortunately. That's probably... I don't think she should. No, I think she should. I don't think she should. I think she should be around more. I think she should gradually get more. Well, I, I think she should, but yeah. I'm, I'm picturing what they would have done in 1977. She would have been a supporting mm-hmm. character, and. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they would have like had had her help with She's the investigation. She's a practicing as well. witch. Like she should do mm. stuff. So this but case, there wasn't a good reason because you know, you're in it, another country. Is it but... something where people in need come to them and they help out, or do they travel? 
I think a little bit of both. Okay. I think they are famous criminologists and also mm-hmm. now famous occultists, so people would seek them out if they had any issues. But I also think that as criminologists and occultists, if anything weird happened, they would go there, and they're yeah. wealthy enough that they could afford to do it. Okay. So it, an, an episode could begin thusly. Uh, there's a bunch of mysterious murders taking place at the latest Egyptian dig site and our heroes arrive. Hmm. Or they're fucking around the house golfing when all of a sudden someone runs up to them and says, help, there's a banshee after me. Like, <laughs> and it really is fine. The, the setup is... Help, there's a banshee after me. Real, that's the title of the yeah. episode. It, really, the setups don't matter. It's just take a monster... Put those characters in it and do what you did here, which is never let it be dull. Mm. That's the problem we run into with a lot of our older shows. There's a lot of promise, maybe some good performances, but a lot of them have a lot of padding. They're just not trying to grab you. And the thing that makes this show stand out is it's grabbing you with every other scene, at least. There's something interesting. I was actually thinking about this about Exoman. Yeah. uh, Because Exoman is dull as dry toast. It's really boring. All the Iron Man sued shit's in like the last 10 minutes. It's really boring. And it's shitty Iron Man stuff. Yeah. Um, those are staged like a lot of uh, the character-driven films at the time. Think of like you know, f- you know, five easy pieces or coming home. You know, there, there's very, all, all these very normal naturalistic kind yeah, of yeah. Or, or yeah, like John Cassavetes. These they're they're sort of emotionally harrowing. They're really intense movies, but they're mm-hmm. staged just like character dramas. We yeah. see their life at home, and I think. A lot of uh, TV makers in the 70s were thinking that we could just show a charming person, man or woman, just sort of going about their daily life talking about stuff. And that was enough to sort of grab into this naturalist uh, artistic trend that was going on at the time. That's how cinema looked at the time. Yeah, not really realizing that you needed character and, and happenstance, even if it wasn't big dramatic things that from the outside world it could be in inner angst well especially especially if you have a genre driven show mm. like it's one thing if it's a character driven show about two people who fall in love fine if you have a show about an iron man suit get to the iron man suit <laughs> like get to it for, like before the last 10 minutes for god's sake with this one seriously 5 minutes in i was like okay maybe this is going to be okay 10 minutes in i'm like okay fuck yeah fuck i love specter <laughs> everything about specter is awesome specter is my new favorite show let's they, go specter they established every uh, yeah when the the banshee melts 10 minutes in it's like yeah we're here it was a succubus or a succubus sorry you said banshee earlier and mixed up my it. brain just for the clarity when the succubus melted onto, into his car yeah, it's a hoot. It's <laughs> the, only, the only way they could have made that scene better is if Majel Barrett came in and said, I'll get the vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to whip out something I haven't said in a while. You know, I've often uh, called it, people often call something a hoot mm-hmm. or maybe even a hoot and a half. Mm-hmm. Spectre is a two hoot pilot. <laughs> it's two solid hoots. Like I just, I, it's a fun yeah. pilot. It's worth scoping it's, out. It's, it is sexist. That is a problem, mm-hmm. but it is also... Uh, in a very playful way that yeah. I don't think is too horrible, uh, but that is the that is the thing you're going to have to deal with. It, it, it yeah. it's more about dated backward attitudes than it is about outward misogyny. I think that's fair, yeah. but you know, again, that's our perspective mm-hmm. as two white dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I dug Spectre a lot. It, it is baffling that it's not, not only didn't get picked up, but that it's not more widely available or discussed in any kind of cult way. Mm-hmm. It's made by Gene Roddenberry. He made one of the most successful cult TV shows of all time. Yeah, but people don't give a shit about the stuff. going on. People don't care about the stuff in the middle. <clears throat> when was yeah, the last but, time you heard someone talk about Earth Final Conflict? Uh, I heard some people talk about Andromeda. Sometimes, of course, this, these were made after his death. Those two, but yeah, uh, but like still, those are those are footnotes on his mm. filmography. People, it, it's like um, it's something I've learned from playing the movie trivia showdown. Mm. Doesn't matter how good you do if you don't win. Mm. Some people winning is the only thing that matters. And Star Trek is the winning show. Star Trek is a show that lasted. Yeah. Star Trek is a show that had a bunch of seasons. Star Trek is a show that had a cultural footprint. And these if shows we... didn't, and people aren't necessarily... I'm sure some people, some Roddenberry fans, some horror fans, have found Spectre and watched it and maybe even enjoyed it, but they haven't really championed it. And I'm yeah. going to be the one who says right now, this deserves an audience. This deserves to be seen and maybe even cleaned up a bit and released kind of nice. That would be great. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. I guess if we've learned anything from Spectre and from Chris Carter month, <laughs> it's that if you have a hit show, that's all you get. <laughs> that's uh, not strictly sh- true. It's not strictly true, but yeah. yeah, a lot of the big hit shows, the creators never have as big a hit again. No, sometimes it's just you, you find the right formula, mm. but it's like it's like the perfect chord. Mm. You can never find it again. It sucks. Um, so, uh, but yeah, Spectre. Worth tracking down, absolutely. And then uh, next week, we will be back with our review, finally, of Wizards and Warriors. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience. We hope you've enjoyed the episodes we've given you in the meantime. uh, We have lots of cool stuff available on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critic acclaim uh we have a new commentary track uh whitney and i just recorded a commentary track for i know what you did last summer the the hit film from 1997 and uh you know it's a fourth of july film and it's only a couple of days until fourth of july so we figured why not actually that was a coincidence but it worked out great (laughs) um and uh but got a bunch of other cool stuff there as well so uh exclusive podcasts uh, uh, polls you get to help decide future episodes of the show if you can afford the chip in we'd really appreciate it and thank you to everyone who currently does if you can't afford the chip in fair enough times are hard uh, if you could leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you find the show oh, that would be iTunes, really wonderful it's not iTunes anymore oh, God. they split it into three three if different apps now. Apple fucking music or whatever it's, the fuck I, it is I think it's called just called Apple Podcasts now. well whatever the fuck it is what, what, whatever it. iTunes is mutating into we're probably on it and leave yeah. a review there that would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Twitter. This show is at Canceled Cast. You can find our, our all our other shows at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Um, and um, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Mm-hmm.